welcome to Apocalypse Arcade Zone Episode 5. I am Elliot Wengler, the comedian and host behind this show, where comics and guests from the world of gaming discuss their lives through the video games that have made them and the ones that would make up their mystical and fantastical Apocalypse Arcade. This week's guest is the comedian and improviser Rob Page. Rob and I spoke for nearly two hours the other week, so cutting this down was an absolute nightmare. Things that didn't make the cut include a 30-minute tangent about Lego Racers, so we might have to come and do that another time. But he was lovely, he's eloquent, he's got lots of lovely thoughts and stories about the games that he's brought to the Apocalypse Arcade, so I hope you really enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Thank you very much for listening and subscribing and rating five stars and all those things. Every little bit helps, and I hope you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to welcoming you again next week when we do another Apocalypse Arcade Zone. But until then, enjoy this week's episode with Rob Page. This week's guest is another delightful, hilarious, lovely man from Norwich. It's the improviser, Rob Page. Hello. Hello, Rob. Are you going to speak in that voice the whole time? No, I, I don't know what possessed <laughs> me, but... Okay. Hello, Elliot. Hey, How are you Rob. Doing? Uh, yeah, long time no see, man. I'm I'm yeah. up and down, but I'm okay. How are you? I'm all right. It's uh, it's a cloudy day, but that's not too bad. Rob Page, I was first introduced to you when I was at university in Norwich, and I didn't meet you until a bit later on in my time. Uh, I think maybe you were living elsewhere and you came back or something, but I bumped into and I was heading over to a comedy society meeting. And I bumped into Dan McKee, the comedian from Norwich, Norwich's comedian, who now lives in Stoke and is an unretired comedian in Stoke. And I said to him, oh, what are you up to? And he said, I'm here to meet the improviser, Rob Page, and spoke of you with such mysticism. And I was, when I finally met, I met you on the circuit a few weeks or months later, you did not disappoint with your surreal and joyful approach to comedy how come you are known as the improviser rob page i well i'm known as the improviser rob page because i am an improviser (laughs) everything i improvise my whole life today's meal was completely made up from scratch did you take suggestions from the neighbors did you ask the cat and the cat said you should give me all your food which i interpreted to mean i should have some of his food so you've had some cat food for dinner. I've had some cat food. It was turkey and uh, sort of little chunks of um, onion as well, which was nice. Yes, I'm part of the Intellectual Hooligans, which is an improv troupe that is based in Norwich. We play gigs in Norwich and occasionally round uh, round the towns in Norfolk. And it's all going really well. We've got a gig on this Saturday, actually. <laughs> Intellectualhooligans.com. Classic. All the gig information is on there. And you're still do- and you're doing that on the on the regular. Uh, why do you love yep. improv? To- why do you love doing improv so much? I love improv because it's a constantly creative thing. You're constantly treading in new snow. Do you know what I mean? When I, like I tried stand up and that's fun, but it's always you're you're usually doing a similar thing every time. Um, like some of the best stand ups, they're doing exactly the same thing, almost breath for breath every <laughs> time, and they and that is fantastic. But for me. It's all about the the virgin snow of treading in like, where's this going? We'll only find out by getting there. That's my jam. I love it. And um, and that's, yeah, that's that's always been the draw of improv for me. And that's why I'm still doing it uh, 15 years after I started. Because you started it, you, you started like all improv people do at university, if yeah. I'm right, in Nottingham? Yeah, up in Nottingham. That was uh, where I started doing improv. I basically found the improv 
tent, not tent, like desk <laughs> at the student, the SU Society's thing at the start of But they said to week. you, imagine this tent as a desk. Okay, it, now, exactly, get, under the de- yeah, now yeah. get under the tent. <laughs> the suggestion was a tent. It looked like a desk. <laughs> and immediately it was like, well, these are my people, here we go. And I haven't looked back. And it's been wonderful. I've been all, I've, I've been a pilot, I've been a vicar, I've been a grave digger. I've been everything. What's your favourite thing you've ever been? Um, I once had to try and mime a badger. And As in a lot you of animals... were portraying a badger or you encountered a badger? No, I was I was trying to portray the concept of a badger. <laughs> and was it some, like for a someone else game? to guess. Oh, someone so, else had to guess that you were a badger. Yeah, and, and there's some animals like an elephant, like a bunny rabbit, like a kind of like a cat or a dog that have got these distinctive physical things you can do. Yeah. Badgers do not have these. So and what... it's only when you're sat there going, hang on, what does a badger do? <laughs> to They're black actions... and white, but I can't tell them that because it's a mime. To what actions did you resort to? I really can't remember. I blacked out, <laughs> woke up, and they were saying, badger, it's okay, Rob, I got it, it's a badger. What else are you up to at the minute, Rob? What else am I up to at the minute? Every year I do a thing called NaNoWriMo, where I write a 50,000... Yeah. I forgot you do it every year. 50,000 word novel in the month of November. Have you and ever I'm actually published to... any of yours, though? I haven't published. They're all trash. They're... You have to write them really quickly. You have to sure. write them at 1,600 words a day. Like, oh, but it's surely trash. You must but have it's... one of them that you must think, you know what, that needs a, f- no, no needs a little rework. And that all of them. There. All of them need a little rework. <laughs> That's how it... <laughs> you must have one of them that you're thinking, let's, uh, let's give us a real, let's, let's give us a polish and get it out there. Yeah, all of them. But the oh. trouble is, I really, so, and... I'm happy for this to make or not make the edit either. <laughs> I'm currently under the. Uh, I'm currently trying to get my referral for ADHD. Ah, classic. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, the virgin snow thing. The idea of writing something quickly really appeals. The idea of going back and editing it. The idea is of like sticking needles through my eyes. <laughs> sure. You do it every year. What, what, have you got any idea what this year's will be? I have. Go on. I have. All what's, the them... lo- what's the log line? Um old sort of magistrate councillor type comes out of retirement to try and save her town from a famine in a sort of snowy mountainy wasteland basically through the councils what what, on on Norfolk district council um (laughs) well not I'm trying to I'm trying to use words that roughly tie up with what they'd be it's kind of because it, it's all fantasy sure. it's all it all it all has to be put through one of those sort of translational lenses doesn't it so that it makes sense in english um but yeah uh, a town is having a particularly harsh winter and um one of their elders goes out to try and fix it and the world is a lot more in trouble than she thought it's funny that you say that your next story you want to write is about the end, is about someone coming out of retirement to deal with the end of the world. Because in a way, you have experienced the end of the world because you are in the apocalypse arcade zone. So, Rob, my question to you is: How have you coped with the end of the world, or have you got a preference of which end of the world scenario you would like it to be, so that you know how that you would cope with it? I'm just happy for it. You know, I'm I'm at the end of the world. I think I'd probably open. Like a human meat burger van. It okay, functions that's quite... as either food or a, and a moral quandary. <laughs> so I can judge everyone who buys my ware because we both know it's human meat. 
Fair enough. I, that is the most kind of enterprising approach I've heard to this so far. You're a monster. Would you like barbecue sauce? <laughs> It'll taste good. I've got a good. I've got one of the last remaining grills. Oh yes. So what? What you're envisioning of an end of the world situation where it, lots of people have died very quickly, and you've gone right. Well, if I've got to travel around, I'll get in a van. May as well yeah. sell burgers in that van. Yeah. May as well go and pile up the bodies. Yeah, yeah. Invest in a fridge. A big fridge, like one of those walk-in fridges. <laughs> in, so I'm trying to work out how big this burger van is. Somewhere between the mystery machine and the TARDIS. Oh, okay. Well, that's between a small machine. That's between a standard between, van. Between a small machine <laughs> and, and a big infinity. Machine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're travelling around. That's quite an interesting. Like, do you do you fear? Do you worry about the end of the world? As a person I in general? I think if the world was going to end, it probably already would have by now. Oh, so just that's quite a nice way to think about it. Keep, I mean, we've had enough apocalypse predictions, haven't we? They've all been wrong, so keep on trucking. We'll eventually get... You see, that's, it's in, like part of my choice to make that the theme of this is the fact that we all kind of did experience a thing only a couple of years ago that felt a bit end-of-the-world-esque, you know, with everything literally stopping and that's all our only hope was to not talk to each other but it was to just stop you yeah. know it was a i thought it was a really fascinating experience i think it's a really, and so everyone I, I think now everyone has experienced a version of it we all yeah. kind of must have a different approach to how the if it happens in a big nasty way oh well we've done this before we'll do it again i think we'd be lucky to have a big nasty quick apocalypse <laughs> we're, we're on a slow boil aren't we that's the that's, that's the, the issue. That's the news. That's the big issue of the day, yeah. Okay, well, as you're travelling around in your nice little burger van that's potentially quite big, um, and you've got your big fridge and you've got your grill and you're selling, you're chopping up Mrs. Hansen from number 40 next week to sell to the people of Peterborough who have survived, yeah. and you're travelling around, um, is there anywhere in particular you'd like to travel to? I think... Seeing as you've got the opportunity now that you're living your burger van life rather than, you know, whatever, rather than the day job. I mean, I, I definitely think in Peterborough I would have sales. <laughs> I don't think they'd think twice about it. Less, less so. Just, oh, he's got meat. I haven't had meat since the before times. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, you've got such a jolly approach to this like as well. All those conspiracy theorists told me I should. Oh, those guys. Not again. Not more insects. <laughs> People just watching a bug's life for even with even more even like, like just watching it and going, Food <laughs> People watching a bug's life and siding with Kevin Spacey. <laughs> they should all be eaten. He's right. The ants should fear the grasshoppers, but they're all delicious. <laughs> but the grasshoppers will fear me. Um <laughs> Well, as you um, sort of progress around, uh, and I'm not sure where you're really travelling around, but you're, you're, you've gone somewhere nice. I don't know. Well, well not nice, but wherever. But, but <laughs> I'm trying to work out where you've gone, basically, because you... I think in in my mind, the arcade at the end of the world would be somewhere like the North Norfolk coast, where it's like... one of those old arcades. <laughs> There's two what, like P machines rusted in a corner. <laughs> 
on a pier or something like exactly just, yeah 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 as you hide on your pier fishing for fish and then being like oh there's no fish i was gonna get some humans to, to serve today yeah yeah <laughs> uh, as you sit in your little pier in the apocalypse arcade on the night uh, some no oh, somewhere off of chroma or something like that or old or as it'll be called in the apocalypse old chroma this has become a very norfolk centric episode i love it <laughs> <laughs> um, you come to my house you play by my rules <laughs> it's norfolk references all the way baby oh man this is great the great news is, is that that your base operations where Rob's Rob's mystery meat is based. <laughs> I don't you... want it to be a mystery meat. I <laughs> well, want them to know what they're buying. <laughs> I want them to look me in the eye and say, I want human flesh. Rob's personal personable <laughs> pat Rob's patties. trolley Ro- problem burgers. Ross's people patties. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as you're sat in, your, in, in the Rob's Peacock Batty's base of operation on uh, a little arcade on the coast of Chroma, you realise that all around you, are the arca- in all the arcade machines and computers left, these are the games that made your life, which is exciting. Ooh. That's dead out. That, that's dead out. And somehow, Chroma arcade, the Chroma Arcade Palace has gotten hydro <laughs> electricity. <laughs> You've yeah, powered yeah. it off a little hydro system off the coast, so you're playing games quite happily. Uh, do you like video games, Rob Page? I love video I would say that in the last 10 years, 20 years, the medium I have consumed the most is video games. Yes, good to know. To kit out the apocalypse arcade that you, Rob Page, are in, we will firstly need to know what is your console history? What was your first console, Rob Page? So... My cons- I have always lived a little bit behind the curve. So I was born in 1990, which gives sort of a a baseline for when the consoles would have come into my life, right? Right, yeah. So, but it also then imagine me slightly behind that curve. So <laughs> we start off my first, the first console I remember playing on is probably a Sega Master System, right? Nice. And that's an old that's an old console. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have many games for it either. The one I remember is called Afterburner and you're basically a a, a fighter jet flying through one of those it's like um it's not a side scroller but it's like a front scroller like the plane goes forwards, enemies come towards you, you move the plane side to side and you fire rockets at these like a top down situation. What sorry? A top down situation. No, no, no. You're behind the plane. And then things come towards you. Uh, I'm trying to work out how they'd make that on 8-bit console, like pre-Star Fox. I'm I, will to... show... I will send you a picture of it. We might. Uh, uh, listeners, don't worry. Rob and I do have the ability to send each other <laughs> visual aids at times. Uh, I don't know what they What do they call them? It's, it's a rail arcade shooter, okay, Wikipedia sure. says. You sit behind the plane um, and enemies come in and you have to take them down with missiles. Okay. Um, and that was, you know, that that was my kind of introduction to what a video game kind of was. Like, you see the big boxes in the arcades, but it's like, ah, oh, they're, you know, don't really look at them. But then this was in my house. This was like a, 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 a change of scenery. Do you know what I mean? Like, suddenly the machine is in the house and I might never read a book again. <laughs> <laughs> like... Um, so you started on the Sega Master System. Started on the Master System, moved fairly quickly onto the Mega Drive, and that's where things really kick up a gear. Because that's a console with loads of really sort of engaging games, like uh, the Sonic, the first two Sonic games, I played those. Um, 
a fantastic, stupid game called Bonanza Bros, where you're two thieves trying to steal from different buildings. <laughs> um, ah, morality. Because... <laughs> <laughs> your second, uh, your, your the third game you mention features you being a thief. No wonder yeah. you are driving around in the Rob People Patty <laughs> Patrol. <laughs> mm, yeah, I, I don't want to psychoanalyze where we go with this. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then, so then the PlayStation 1 was then another sort of step. It's I've lived through consoles getting better and better and better. Like, I, w- I think I was quite lucky in the way that I had a childhood that started off in the physical realm. Things like Lego, things like Duplo, things like, you know, like uh, physical toys. And then suddenly the electronics caught up and entered my house. And it was like, oh, there's this whole other type of play that's a really contained nice way to, that, that's a really boxes. nice way to put that yeah it was it was a sort of a sea change in what consumer because obviously you watch things on the tv as a child but it's easy to stop watching a thing it's quite difficult to stop playing a video game because they're all built to keep you engaged yeah yeah um and then something like a game boy it's then like, oh, no, I, I don't even have to plug this in. I can play this in the car. Like, I never have to be bored again. I'd like just a special mention, though, for the Commodore 64, right? Okay. Uh, my granddad had a Commodore 64, and it was... Big old school, big boy. Big old school, baker like keyboard. And attached to it was a tape player. So these games were on tape, which is something I've, I'd never seen before. I've never seen since. It's a terrible way <laughs> to have a game. Um... But, I still can't the, get my mind around the idea of a tape having a game on it. Right? Like, <laughs> it seems so alien to have... Because like, audio cassettes were basically done by the time we were like... Oh, I suppose I'm a little older than you, but by the time I was kind of... Once we eight, were teenagers. CDs had overtaken Yeah, definitely. Tapes, definitely. And, that, and, and you'll notice there's no vintage stores that are like, oh, cassette tapes are coming back. <laughs> like... The, the other weird thing about the other thing about tapes also is they're a one-way thing. They yeah. don't, you know, revert back. It was a really. I, d- I have no idea how it worked. I'm sure it was very clever. I've seen some nerds com- see, say like, "Oh, it's time for a renaissance of VHS." No, it's not. It no. never will be. It, isn't, were... it, it can't ever. Be. <laughs> it can't Are you come high? back. <laughs> you, why do you want? Why do you not want? Why do you want to only be able to? Go to to cycle through the contents on the on the storage device, with, yeah. by uh, f- having. Oh, I'd like to watch that again. <laughs> I'm just going to spend five minutes waiting for it to go back to the start. <laughs> and and like put them in like you you're 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 asking the, the, the you're asking the the machine to drill into it and go at fulls and, and were all the electronics on the inside at an unsafe rate. Are yeah. you? They're not coming back, and if a, if a film was on VHS and didn't make it out beyond the VHS, there's a reason. I, I'd like <laughs> to watch a film where every time I watch it, it's a little bit more snowy. <laughs> every time you come back, it just gets slightly less good. Yeah, every time I watch it, it's a slightly worse quality than last time. <laughs> like successive seasons of Big Brother. Oh, there's a good <laughs> reference. So, your granddad had a Commodore 64 that entered your life. Yeah. As a and nice was, bit of uh, retro, super retro. Like these games, barely had sound. They didn't really have music, and the 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 actual conception of the games was really simple. It was just there would be a thing on the screen coming at you, or you'd be going towards a thing. I think again, 
I'm just the right age where when I was a child, video games were really simple. Yes. And then as I grew up, the, the games got more complicated. But I never had to, I was never thrown in at the deep end of like, right, here's San Andreas, off you go. <laughs> like, it was, here's Pac Man, off you go. All right, okay. Chomp, 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 run away from the ghosts. Easy. And then as I'm sort of in my uh, teens, it's like, oh, here's a PlayStation, PlayStation 2. The games are more complicated. They require more brain. Like, some of the games even have, like, moral things going on or, like, big <laughs> questions. Like, not that you're asked to think about them, but, <laughs> you know, there's more going on. You've got the likes of uh, the sort of what I would call the golden age of Grand Theft Auto. So you went on, so you went to the PlayStation 1 and the PlayStation, yeah. sorry, set, Master System, Mega Drive, PS1, yeah. PS2. Yeah. PS3, uh, PS3 and the Wii. And the Wii. Everyone and had a Wii. That's where my console uh, relationship basically ends. Ah. From that, it's basically all PC laptop stuff. But PC gaming is an investment. So when you spend a lot of money on it, it's going to do what, exactly what you want it to do and stuff. You have, yeah, assuming, well, assume most people who have to, I assume most people who do PC gaming pretty much lock into it and don't have to worry about consoles. Cause PC gaming can be an investment. And I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about the um, <laughs> what I call the bargain end of game. Okay. So back in back in my day, back in the day, there was a physical shop called Game. I do not know if it still exists. All the ones in Norwich have gone. I can tell you that it does still exist, but it's been bought okay. out by Sports Direct. So most oh. games are now in Sports Direct. That must be really weird. <laughs> and also... <laughs> The, I, I was in Bromley the other week. We um we went into a game, and I remember game being like the equivalent of the library, but video games. And now you go into game, and it is basically a toy shop where they also sell video games. Yeah, that's so. And this is a really interesting thing about PC gaming is very few uh, off-the-shelf computers still have a CD drive. Sure. Uh, so selling physical games the way they were sold to me in the noughties doesn't really happen anymore. Steam has essentially filled that niche. Yeah. But to find those games in Steam, I sort of have to actively look for them. But to walk into a shop and there's just loads of crap games, like, <laughs> uh, and this would have been this would have been around the same time as like, um, uh, I, I, I'm I'm coming back to San Andreas again, but like the mid noughties gaming was really starting to come into its own and I was looking at things like SimCity 2000, right? Yeah, yeah. A sort of a slightly previous era of game that were really cheap between one and five pounds per game, <laughs> which in those days, not a lot. And and these games would play on trash old computers. Like these, these were really simple, low graphics, but interesting gameplay. Like SimCity is an interesting game. Um, and you don't need a big computer to play. Certainly, certainly the SimCity games that I started on. <laughs> so yeah, P PC gaming I think is is an interesting experience because it is what you make of it. If you want to play the latest releases at the highest frame rate on a big curvy ULED screen um, with a VR headset and all of that, it is still you know that's the thing you can do. But you can also go into steam and find scrungy old indie games or even mainstream games from 15 20 years ago 
which is what, mostly what I do, and play them Sounds like on, a, on any laptop. Like my laptop's a few years old. It, it It's okay. It does the job. And it, because I am largely wallowing in my own nostalgia playing old games, it's fine. The PC has also got the biggest back catalogue because it's also got the emulator. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so emulator <laughs> really... The emulator gives you a really big back back, back catalogue. That's the thing. Because all of these games are made in maths and compute, a general computer like a PC speaks maths, you can have like games up to and maybe including like PS2 games at this stage emulated in a computer. Maybe even more advanced. I don't know. But certainly PS3 games, you tend to find them on Steam anyway, so you yeah, don't need yeah. to bother. So, what your first video game was the what was it again on the Master System? The uh, called Afterburner. Afterburner. Yeah, you you sort of a. I think it sounds like they came up with they came up with the name first and went, "What will it be?" No, planes. So afterburners. So jet planes, like um, what do they call them, fighter jets, have this thing where they inject fuel directly into the engine, and it makes them go really fast. But it uses their fuel really quickly, and that's called an afterburner. Okay, fair um, enough. But it's also a really cool word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Makes it makes make makes for exciting, fiery, yeah. exciting, explosion-y, burner. explosion-y, fiery, fun box art. To really, maybe get that's kids what I in. should call my van. <laughs> afterburner <laughs> robs people. The people patty afterburner. <laughs> the slowest uh. crematorium in town. Next time I'm seeing you do improv, I am going to bring in. All, I'm going to just mould this apocalyptic scenario into. I'm already the show. getting a T-shirt on Redbubble, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favourite story or campaign in a video game? My favourite story, in a game, and this comes slightly out of left field because in the bargain end of game there was a game called Hype the Time Quest. Hype the Time Quest? Yes. And this is a game made by a company. I can't remember what the company was, but the the IP is Playmobil. Uh, what? Right? <laughs> so this is a game that kind of ties into Playmobil's knight's range. You play a knight called Hype, and the, the opening cutscene, you're at a wedding, your own wedding, you're at Hype's wedding, and this black knight sort of comes out of this big magical vortex turns you into a statue sends you back in time and then you have to work through these four sort of successive kings of time to get back to that wedding and back to challenge the black knight it is the most work anyone has ever put into <laughs> a playmobile game <laughs> that i could possibly imagine oh man Playmobil is such a weird thing as well because it's not like it's Lego everyone knows exactly what it is because you put things together and it clicks and then you make big things and you have the guys and you run them around you play with them or you display them or whatever Playmobiles are just weird looking play sets that aren't compatible with anything else you own Playmobil is a really interesting thing because it's halfway between something like Lego and something like like an action man or a Barbie. It's the thing where it's like, you've got the creativity to rebuild these things, but only within their own parameters. Mm. It's a really like, like Lego, you can dismantle that Egyptian temple and make it into like a a racing car or an aeroplane. Whereas Playmobil, it's like, 
these are the pieces that can make this castle. You can also rearrange them to make a castle in any shape, but it has to be a castle. It has it's, to be a, a castle. It's a really halfway house between yeah. creativity. It, it's kind of like a choose-your-adventure novel. It's not quite a novel, and it's not quite a game, <laughs> but it's somewhere in the middle, and you can still have fun with it. And hype the time burner was part of the... Hype the what? Hype the time quest. Hype the time quest. <laughs> hype the time quest Hype is... the time burner would be... Yeah. A... <laughs> Hype the Time Quest is yeah. a Playmobil It's a Playmobil time travel platformer where you play as a knight and you have to con- you the the politics of the different ages is different so there'll be there'll be some ages where you're like a real friend of the king and like everything's going well there'll be some where like you're an outlaw and you have to side with a completely different faction Oh my god it it's, has it's so Blackadder much depth <laughs> It, it's absolutely insane that a game like this got made. It feels like someone had a had a full plot of a novel or like a series of novels, and then someone came through and it's like, oh, Playmobil have got have contracted us to make this game about knights, and he was like, I have a thousand pages. <laughs> I have several unused nanoremos. Yeah, let's just, put yeah, them together. If George R. R. Martin was doing all of that stuff on the side at, while he was working at a gaming company, and then suddenly someone popped his head around the door and was like, "Has anyone got anything about knights? Playmobil want us to do a thing." And then it's just like, "Oh, th- my time has come!" And this, like, there are puzzles in it where it's like, you have to move things in one era so that when you go back to them in the future, it's easier or it's possible. Oh my god, like, it's, like, it's Ocarina need... of Time. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> it's it is essentially. Kind of Ocarina of Time, but in Playmobil, <laughs> and it makes no sense. Where that is it this is, from? It has absolutely no reason to be as good as it is. And right? is the game actually like fun? Yeah, to play? It's, it's fun. It's a fun platformer. It's challenging. It's 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 great. Basically, I don't understand, but the story is fantastic. There's one character who you see in the first. So you go through these four ages, and each age is named after a successive king. So they uh, is it called Tarkan something like that? So you've got Tarkan the first, the second, the third, and the fourth, right? So your base, your home time is the fourth one, um, and then you get sent back to the first one. And then there are char- the characters you meet in each age are older when you go back and see them. So there's this one character who the first time you see her, she's this little child and she hates you, and she's just like, "You're a nasty knight, I don't care." And then you go to the second age and she's like a young woman. I think she's helping her blacksmith dad or something like that. You go to the third age and she's running like a a, a rebel camp in the woods. <laughs> and then you get back to the fourth age and it turns out her, her daughter comes and finds you. And she's like, oh, she always hoped you might, you know, settle for her. And she basically died waiting. <laughs> the wicked, like, the wicked... That's... That's a subplot <laughs> in this wider game about knights. It makes no sense. It has absolutely no reason being as plot dense as even as gaming dense. Like it's really easy to phone in a franchise game, right? Sure. Like we've all played Star Wars Angry Birds, right? Yeah. Where it's yeah, just yeah. Angry Birds with slightly different birds. Yeah, yeah. This is a full game in its own right. That <laughs> this f- isn't even like it deserves an a... HD. Why are we HD remaking Crash Bandicoot? We should be doing this. It's not even like <laughs> it's not even like the game of a movie or an animated thing. It's just no. by itself. It's a completely it's 
And it is, frankly, to me, it was to gaming what King Kong was to movies, right? <laughs> it was a thing utterly within its own medium. <laughs> the, the has no right being as good as it is. Wikipedia tells me that there is also a Game Boy Color version. Ah, and... don't play that version. Don't <laughs> shortchange yourself. The story you're explaining is fantastic because the, on the Wikipedia article, the pl- there's a plot bit. There's a bit says plot. There's yeah, one yeah. paragraph, and then there's a second paragraph that is the longest Wikipedia paragraph <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, there's different. There's a monastery, and there's brigands in the woods, and there's the king, and there's like and factions even, within and it's, the. It's, it's not even Final Fantasy. It's, it's insane. <laughs> wow. Well, that is an exciting entry into the best story category of the arcade. That's fantastic. It really is. Rob. M- I, I can't stress how good it is as a story. <laughs> like, I would read that book. You'd re- you, want, you want the novelization? Yeah. And you want the audiobook read by the same cast? Yeah. No, not, not, no, no, I'd want it read by voice actors. <laughs> not just the staff of the, of the games company. <laughs> not the staff of Ubisoft. Yeah, and um, their kids, which is what it sounds like. <laughs> fair enough. That sounds like... And was this one of your discoveries in the corn in in the back yeah, corner this of the is city? The, this is this is the sort of brilliant game that if you take one look at it, you're like, "What the fuck?" No, I'm I'm putting that down. If you take two looks at it, you're like, "Well, all right, it's only two pounds. I'll give it a shot." <laughs> like it it might be on like good old game or something like that. But if you can find a copy of it that will run on a modern computer, you have a diamond in the rough, my friend. It is a a, a surprisingly good game. <laughs> Rob Page, have you spent much time in the arcades? This is the gaming medium that has kind of passed me by. And I don't know whether it's because I'm from Norfolk, but the kind of the idea of like, why would I just keep putting coins into this machine when I could just <laughs> wait to go home? So I, I've played, there's an arcade in Norwich now where you get a wristband and you just play the games. Fun. And you can't fail. So you can always continue so the games you don't have to put more coins in them so you can just go through them um what's the time crisis is it time crisis yeah time crisis is kind of the seminal shooter one exactly and i've never finished it i've only (laughs) ever played maybe 30 30 seconds of it a minute of it before i get killed but i was able to finish it and the thing that sort of struck me when i did was this would have been a lot more satisfying if it had a failure state <laughs> and I, and i had and and it and like my pocket money depended on me being good at it i would have felt i would have felt a lot more like accomplished reaching the end under my own steam rather than it just lets me keep playing <laughs> um i've never played think... it i've never played lots of those games i've never played like in the not in the not in, in, in at, at home or in a non arcade setting because mm. I just don't imagine the the, the 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 peril, the lack of peril, you know, that you'll get kicked off the game, is yeah. the same. Is not the same. No, it's not. And you know, you've got the jeopardy of the time. You might only have five minutes before you're going home. You might only have five quid on you, so you're only going to be playing a short amount of time. It's a, it's a, it's a learning curve, that, I think a lot of modern games, can't have. Partly because it's all done on home media now. God, I sound like I'm an executive from the 80s. Um, (laughs) The jeopardy of the arcade is something that teaches you to be good at games in a way that 
any game you buy for your console at home or on Steam isn't going to do in the same way because the failure state isn't you can't play this anymore <laughs> it's you have to go back to the start of this level or you get back up after your, your health comes back you want it so that when sonic runs sonic runs out of lives you can't play again for like a week or you can't yeah, exactly play. yeah <laughs> the, like like the con like the ps5 like the playstation ejects the disc and goes you may the disc is broken now you must buy a yeah. new one <laughs> the idea that this might be your last chance at green hill zone three <laughs> for a week you really you really try and you really like you really get invested in it but when you just sat at home and you you know the worst thing is you go back to green hill one and start again um it's a different kind of it's an it's an excitement that a games console in your house can't ever replicate well i'm not really sure i'm gonna say your your favorite or best arcade game is so we're just gonna put time crisis because that's what everyone says because it's the correct (laughs) answer um or pac-man um, Rob Page. I think Pac-Man. I think Pac-Man is a really good game. To yeah, be yeah, fair, it the, the, it's, it's so simple, and yet you can have a tactical approach to it. Rob Page, what is your favourite game for multiplayer gaming? Over lockdown, I played Among Us. As oh, hello! Essentially, everybody did. Yes, we all we all we all I played play it Among Us. Whilst also on a Zoom call with the people I was playing with, so you'd mute your microphone shut your camera down play a round of among us and then when you all but all came back into the the meeting room in between the murders we'd then put the cameras and microphones back on so we'd actually have to lie to each other's face and i think that was a really good way of playing it because a you're not just calling somebody a knob in the little chat box (laughs) and b you're calling them to their face and and b i am a dreadful liar (laughs) So it was really like, it was really fun just sort of trying to suppress my glee that I just, you know, committed several murders <laughs> and then just been like, <laughs> my group did it over Discord. So we would do yeah. it over like, we would always be chatting. They'd all, they would be quiet. The rule was quiet while gameplay and yeah. then chatting during the things. The thing that I found with Among Us, that I don't think I found with almost any other game I've played was that you found a group of people you played it with, or maybe a couple of groups, but you, know, you found a group of people you played it with, and f- from the way you all played it, and from the experience you all had together playing it, you as a group all started building your own mythologies, and your own backgrounds, and your own kind of relationships with each other through the game. Yeah. So you all knew that Phil was always, you always said, no, how could it have been me? Phil's always the one who does them under the, in, in that corner how, how could it have been them it's always it's, it, it, it's always and this so, isn't where they kill a, <laughs> they always kill in the navigation area I would frequently use the tactic of, of uh, I would go into almost every meeting and just say uh, guys kick me out now if you want but you will lose and they go we'll do it anyway I'm kind of like no but I'm, I'm not just saying it this time everyone built that kind of strained relationship with each other and backstories within the game or kind of just around the game in a way that I don't think I've experienced with any other game. The reason I bring up Among Us is because it harkens back to my, again, my youth playing games was non-online multiplayer. So the most people you could have around the console would probably be four. Yeah, but that would would involve you having... That would involve 
you owning four controllers or organising yeah. everybody. Someone always remembers to bring down, bring around some extra controllers. And hoping that the TV screen you were playing on was big enough, because <laughs> otherwise those four, like the screen being split into into quarters, often gave you like almost tunnel vision into this tiny yeah, yeah, little yeah. box on a tiny little box the other side of a room and so you're all sort of squinting <laughs> trying to see wait what's going on oh i've been shot i would say that the multiplayer game i most enjoyed certainly growing up was uh, 007 nightfire okay. which was essentially the spiritual successor to the n64 golden eye yeah um and i just it, it was it was good fun. You had a lovely range of weapons to pick from. Um, it was kind of James Bond themed, which was kind of kind of cool in that daft way. Um, it wasn't like gritty realism like the Call of Duty games were. Um, I've played Call of Duty multiplayer, like in the same room multiplayer, and it's only fun to be shit at it for a for a short <laughs> period of time before you just have to go full meme and always bring a bazooka yeah and let me tell you it's very satisfying to hit someone with a bazooka <laughs> in call of duty but it is much more satisfying to hit someone with a guided missile in nightfire yeah among us and nightfire excellent choices there's one map i remember where it's essentially there's two houses opposite on, a, on other sides of a canyon and there's a cable car in the middle um and it's a bit like it, those sort of samurai duels where the first person to move loses <laughs> like the first person to get in that cable car is going to have a sniper shot straight through their eye or you're both trying to shoot guided missiles at each other across the yeah. canyon Rob Page what game have you spent the most time on and you're proud of it and then the second part is what game you spent the most time on and you're ashamed of it I feel the most pride of my so I've got uh, my PS3 is still up and running. Fun. I play a game called Pro Evolution Soccer 2013, which you will note is 10 years old. I prefer. I was always. I prefer Pro Evo to FIFA. I love it. I've never really played. I've I've only ever really played Pro Evo games, so I've I can't really say, but I do enjoy it, and I've had the same team that I've been playing. They're now entering the 2020. To 2021 season i think um but it's it's one of those things where it's like oh these are these are my guys this team i've kind of guided through from the bottom of the under <laughs> leagues up to the the european champions and all of that and you kind of you feel a sense of like yeah i've done good my boys my boys have come good um I've never heard a football game, a football video game spoken of in such a wholesome way before. Here's the thing. I people, really don't people, like football. I don't people. care about football at all. My guys, <laughs> my North Lux C, which is what Pez calls Norwich because they can't get the rights. Um, <laughs> my boys are my boys. A lot of them are brought up from the youth team. There's a weird quirk in it where you sign contracts for a set number of years for the players. Okay. And their pay can't increase during that contract. Oh, right. So I'll sign these youth players up for like five year contracts. I'm paying them like a hundred grand, two hundred grand for five years. But in those five years, they become some of the best players in the world. <laughs> and so I'm still paying them these pennies on the dollar for a player who's worth like 20 million pounds. <laughs> and then they get their contract renewed and I can't afford them and they, I have to say goodbye. Oh, man. But um, it's just. Brutal. So I play. 
I play a tabletop game called Blood Bowl. Blood which Bowl. Is, it, yeah, it's a games workshop game, but it's essentially sort of a cross between American football and Lord of the Rings. It's fantasy football with fantasy meaning elves and goblins and all of that. And it's a similar thing where you've got a team and you the, the players have all got names and they get better or worse as they go through the games as they get injured or as they get you know they get score lots of touchdowns and they get better um i think there's something to be said about a game where the the the, the thing you're playing are your guys yeah. you know what i mean yeah. they've got a, a, almost like an rpg element where it's like your guys are progressing well like you get to know each of them as a player like that's a great defender he's doing really well that 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 um that centre forward kicks like a cannon, but he he can't point it in the right direction. That that forward is a really good technical shooter, but he's not quite as powerful. Like you you get to, to know the players, and it's a, quite an intimate experience if you let it be that, uh, which I do because I'm a soppy soppy man. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got this team of my guys, and. I'm I'm now about seven seasons in or something like that, <laughs> and it's it's just a game I go back to every now and again because they're my boys, and it's like I'm checking in with old friends. And which game have you spent the most time on? You're ashamed of it. Peggle. Oh, no further questions. Love Peggle, <laughs> love Peggle, Peggle for love, the audience that don't know. Love Peggle, a, but what a waste of time. It's yeah. <laughs> A skill you cannot use in any other game or situation. It, it's essentially digital bagatelle, right? Um, uh, yeah. These, it, ball, it, these it, balls drop down. You have to hit all of these pegs, it, and it, it's pinball slash. Um, what's yeah. the like? It, well, slash like basically pong. Uh, yeah. Slash pegs. Yeah, but there's also characters, and each of the characters oh, can do slightly different things. And some of their powers are utter nonsense and so yeah, flipping useless. I'm trying it's not to dreadful. swear. And you're not you're not given a choice as to which ones you use either. You are if you finish it. Also, the phone one, the one that's on. Oh, so I played the PC game. Version. I had I had one of the old PC games on my old PC, and I I loved it. I really enjoyed yeah. it. But flipping hell, what a waste of time! What a waste of time! And it's it, it it's taking time away from games you could be having fun on because you when you play Peggle, that's his, that's you're constantly th- stressed because you're watching this ball bounce down and it's like, is it going to bounce properly? Is it not going to bounce properly? Oh, it was so close! And you just you just end up drained at the end of it. You've done nothing. <laughs> it's playing a game where you feel like this is taking time away from games where I could be enjoying the story and sophistication elsewhere is the exact definition of this category you have I nailed could, it yeah. you, that, I could be enjoying points. my life <laughs> I've played points. 20 hours on Peggle and that's not the game I've played the most hours on by any stretch of the imagination at how many hours have I played watched... in the sequel I've played 27 hours in Peggle 2 at least when you've watched a bad film you can at least say, "Oh, I've seen that film. It was not great, but yeah. I've seen whatever." When you've when you've watched to play the bad video game, you're like, "You, it's not, you can't oh, no, tell no, 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 Don't people. get me wrong; it's not a bad video game. Well, I'm just okay. ashamed that I've spent <laughs> fifty plus hours in it." Rob Page, what is objectively the best video game of all time? For me, the best game of all time is Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Talk to me about Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. So, Grand Theft Auto is a franchise. For foremost, it is a satire, yes. which is which is lost on really a hard to do well for <laughs> mm. a start. It's really easy to make satire badly. Certainly in the noughties, it was a really sharp satire. I think because Vice City and San Andreas are set in a particular time period, 
they give themselves a really holistic approach to that time period so you're in the early 90s there are things about the early 90s that the game can just completely rag on the whole time and it's beautiful yeah like he's got he've got a mobile phone but it's this horrible big boxy thing um but it the... doesn't feel dated that's what no, i find so... interesting about those games they don't they don't like look or feel dated enough in that way yeah the story of grand grand theft auto san andreas is really quite good because it starts off really small you've come back home because your mum's died you and your brother's in trouble and you're just sort of trying to sort out you're basically trying to put out these tiny little fires um and (laughs) as you go through the story it gets wilder and wackier and you meet all these fun characters and they're all interesting in their own different rights and then for some reason sean Ryder and danny dyer turn up (laughs) in one of the cutscenes i go back and watch on youtube sometimes because i love it so much Yeah, yeah yeah and you end up you know embroiled in a gang in gang wars and in turf wars between casinos and you end up finally trying to fight off one of your best mates and a bent cop but and it's this weird kind of small scale like it's not the end of the world it's not the it's not the the planet's gonna you know die if you don't do this the worst thing is you get shot right Mm. (laughs) but it's all about clearing your name for these crimes you've been set up about and it, it, it's it's a beautiful little story they've got some fantastic voice acting and some bad voice acting but at any point you can just sack all of that off and fly a, a, like a harrier jump jet through a <laughs> fence the really interesting thing about san andreas is that it's so full of other games like there are arcades you can go in to play old style video games you can do like you can go to the gym and do lots of gym mini games you can do the driving school the flight school you can do all of these extra games within the game all of which are kind of optional but all of which are kind of fun like you can date all these different girls and you can have like it's a it's a a really it's so ahead of its time but also oh, but it was kind thing. of invented. It wasn't ahead of its time. It because there's a game for the Dreamcast called Shenmue, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Which is again a sort of the, it's an open world it's an open world. The the stakes of the game are quite small, but the graphics are awful because it's on the Dreamcast. But the the PS2 was just powerful enough that you could have this game where you feel like you're part of a world that is simultaneously optional to you and you are optional to it. Like but there's also all the fun, like all the cheats you can put in to just have an arcade kind of fun. Like you can suddenly spawn a tank from nowhere. You can make that tank fly. You can make all the drivers go crazy. If if I wanted to pick one game to play forever, it would probably be San Andreas because there's enough in it. If you want to take it seriously and complete it 100%, you'll be there forever because there are so <laughs> many little nubbins to pick up little like there's oysters to fish out of the sea and little thing like um graffitied bits you can tag it's it's a truly holistic approach to video game uh, construction it's got a story mode but you're not locked into the story mode it's got an open world that you don't have to you don't have to look at it basically you can just play through the missions it's it's a really and there were nothing before that like vice city was that but on a much smaller scale yeah and some people think that vice city is better because it has a much sort of narrower focus and that makes the game feel more focused and i get that and the the music is kind of better on vice city but 
for me, San Andreas steps the game up. San Andreas is the stepping stone between what everything that came before it and the likes of Oblivion, Fallout, the, the major the Just Cause, um, Saints Row, the games that came after it have basically stood on the shoulders of San Andreas and there hasn't been a game since San Andreas that is kind of as universally complete if that makes sense. Like, making the map bigger doesn't make the map more interesting. Making the graphics better doesn't make the game better. Okay, so Rob, you're saying that Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is the best video game of all time, but Rob, what is the worst video game you've ever played? The worst video game I've ever played actually kind of ties back to the arcade. Mickey's Wild Adventure. Mickey's Wild Adventure. So Mickey's Wild Adventure is a an arcade game for a console. Right. But unlike a lot of games that have made it as far as a console, there's no save point. Nah. <laughs> so you either have to finish it in one go, which I stress you will not do, or you have to just throw it in the bin because it's a side-scrolling sort of platform game, like a Mario kind of game. Um, you play as Mickey, trying to go through all the different ages of kind of the Disney animation, and that's fun. But it's... It's meant to milk quarters out of children. It's not meant to be a fun experience to play. To play all in one go. The fact that it can't save makes it essentially impossible. Um, and for that reason, it's it's not it's not the worst looking game I've ever played. It's not the worst. Like the controls aren't the worst I've ever had in a game. You finish this game in one go. The game hates you and is trying to stop you from finishing it in one go because it's trying to milk a quarter out of you that it can't because it's a PlayStation. It's just the wrong game for the wrong console. If it was an arcade game, uh, it would probably be a low-tier quarter-milking machine from kids that love Mickey Mouse. But it's on a, it, it's on my PS, uh, it's on my PlayStation. It has no place on my PlayStation, so it can get in the bin. Mickey's Adventure goes in the bin. Yeah. What is personally your favourite video game of all time? My favourite video game of all time is probably... I'm playing... I'm still playing a game called Kerbal Space Program. Okay. What's which this? is kind of a combination of a physics engine and minions. Uh, so... What? What you do in this what? game is you you're in... You're on a planet in a in a like a star system, like kind of like our star system, but smaller. You have to build rockets and space planes and things like that to go and explore this star system. But it's all based in actual physics. So the journeys to the different planets take a long time. You have to plan how much fuel you take. You build the rockets to be aerodynamic because there's an aerodynamics simulator inbuilt. It's it's. It's taught me more about physics than 16, 18 years of school. <laughs> like, it's a really interesting... It's kind of a sandbox, but they kind of give you missions to do. So it's kind of... It's a... It's essentially a NASA simulator. Okay. All of the characters these, are these little green men who are always smiling until things have gone wildly wrong. And you kind of... It's, it, it's, one, it's a bit like... It's kind of like Minecraft, I guess, in space. You build your rockets, you go to these different places, you can take tourists up there. Like it's a, it's a fun, kind of 
thing you can do and it and it's a game you can put on just because it's in real time and you can speed it up but a, a, a mission to the moon will probably take 10 <clears throat> hours or so but you can speed <laughs> it up so it's not right. it doesn't take that time in real time but the fact that you've built this rocket and you've calculated the you know this you need this much fuel you need it to you need to build it in the right way and then when you land on the moon and then you come back from it it feels very it's a very it's a very satisfying game to get right um and quite a frustrating game to get wrong <laughs> it's able to be multiple things and that's good fun that's nice man yeah what game would you like to see the movie or tv show of or what movie or tv show would you like to see the game of and pitch it i would like to see minecraft as a survival horror <laughs> Because ultimately, that's kind of what it is. Right. I would like Minecraft... Perhaps the first game is this sort of... Zom- almost a zombie film. Like, the characters don't have any equipment. They don't have any... Like, you start... You're essentially, at the start of a game of Minecraft, thrown onto the world naked and afraid. And if you don't know what to do, it can be absolutely terrifying to be like... what. All I can do is punch things. What do I do? Do, do I punch <laughs> these trees? Do I punch the ground? What happens? And then it and then it goes dark, and then a tree blows you up. It is a really it's it has the learning curve of a brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> but once you overcome that and you actually know what you're doing, it then becomes a kind of resource management thing, and then it becomes a weird kind of colonialism thing. The second the second movie would definitely be about interacting with like there's there's villagers have you played minecraft i've i've i have to confess it's not one that i've gotten involved in because it's the sort of thing that i imagine i would get addicted to yeah do, yeah don't do it it, it ruined it, my second year don't do it i imagine like it's i've i, I my friends and i played a free minecraft cop clone called star Maid, okay which was very much more, but minecraft but you're in flying spaceships okay um, yeah, it was yeah. a very similar thing um yeah in terms of basically you just put lots of blocks and things and you build stuff and you fly stuff and you find and you go and mine a planet or whatever like it's a very similar um yeah i so i know mm. the exp- i know the experience yeah, I know yeah. That my, my my cousin's kids can't get enough of it it's great and, you know, and, yeah. and how thrilling it is to watch them properly engage with it yeah and and again minecraft is a game where the mods add so much more depth fundamentally minecraft is about hoarding everything the world can give you and minecraft doesn't have a a finite limit on that because the minecraft worlds are sort of functionally limitless but in in the setting of a film or movie set in a more physical space you might then have to contend with the fact that you have strip mined (laughs) four square miles to just get enough diamonds to have a nice diamond coat (laughs) like I think there's basically I think there's... you want to see Minecraft given the Shadow of the Colossus treatment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the 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 final Minecraft uh, movie is somebody gets plonked down in a late stage game of Minecraft where these awful like cities have been built by single players and this one player has to take everything down like uh, the rebels in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the first two films were about the villains all along. 
Yeah, they turn heel, and uh, the last the last movie, you have to take everything down with uh, the TNT. You side with the Creepers, and you have to take everything down with TNT. I am looking forward to your surprisingly gritty and uh, offbeat Minecraft tr- uh, motion picture tr- trilogy. Uh, <laughs> and it's dark undertones, and we'll see if people... And it'll be like Barbie, and people will be like, why can't I bring my under-12s to see it? And it's kind of like, it's not for the under-12s. Call me Brookheimer, <laughs> come on, let's do this. <laughs> Rob Page... You've been excellent. You won millions of points on this particular venture. You did so well. You you slagged off Peggle. You... <laughs> <laughs> Rob Page, you've done brilliantly, and you have got to now sort of survive in the Apocalypse Arcade for the rest of time. Anything you're going to sort of kit out the arcade with in the way of fun and snacks and drinks, or is it just going to be it? You can make it a fun place to come be in, sort of the respite of the Apocalypse, or are you going to make it very much Rob's territory? Stay no, away. I think I think it would be a. I'd, I'd I'd try and make it a kind of a nice place to be. There'd be pick and mix on the wall. Don't ask what's in it. <laughs> um, Is it all made out of people still? It's all strawberry cables for some reason. Um, and what what all we think soda wise? There's a <laughs> the Aldi version of Dr Pepper is called Professor Peppy. Excellent. I like. I love the idea that he finally got tenure. Um, <laughs> oh, so I man. think, yeah, Professor Peppy on tap. Professor Peppy on tap, and surprise, and and surprisingly meaty pick and mix. Um, <laughs> uh, Rob Page, as you drove Page's people patties around. Oh, um, that's fantastic! Yes, <laughs> as you Page's drove, people patties. As you drove the Page's people's patties around. Peterborough and Cambridge and the, the the Anglia region in general for many years and served people each other uh, literally and you eventually <laughs> sort of settled down in the arcade and more bombs went off and you just sort of carried on in the arcade that was powered by the hydro sea of chroma and yeah. let's face it that part of the that angles the ocean's going to get more violent if there's a war going on probably uh, yep. you can power your arcade off that and you can live there for the rest of your life watching your weird minecraft trilogy uh playing <laughs> to, uh, prefer, uh, pl- pl- watching your boys do into the many many years in the future watching your boys do very well on pro evos for 2013 uh, and now uh, after many nanoremos you will do the novelization of hype the time quest but oh. at the very end of time at the very end when you're when you're gone and uh, everything's gone you knew you, the end was coming so you decided to make sure one game was preserved given to prosperity and given to the ages what game are you going to leave to the apocalypse arcade for the ever after i honestly think the game i'd leave would be san andreas <laughs> partly because it's a terrible role model <laughs> the, but but, but i like the idea different? the next <laughs> the next civilization grows up in the shadow of San Andreas. There are strip clubs everywhere, and none of them are well policed. <laughs> <laughs> and how's that any different to modern Britain? Uh, ah, satire! I'm tempted to leave them Peggle. That! <laughs> so that they hate themselves. But uh, if they I'm, found I'm Peggle and was like, them. this is what video games were? How did they yeah, lose this their is, lives yeah, to it? Learn from our mistakes. <laughs> But um, no, I'll, I'm going to leave them uh, San Andreas. It's a good game. So that they can they can stand on the same giant's shoulders and build better games in the future. Nice. Hopefully they'll also it. learn, you know, that a game has to be finished on release. That's a good point. That's a good note to end on. Um, Rob Page, do you have any uh, anything online you would like to point listeners towards or any upcoming 
ventures you wish them to know about? I can point you towards uh, intellectualhooligans.com. That's the site that will show you where all of our gigs are. They will be in Norwich, so if you're not in Norwich or unable to get to Norwich, you won't be able to see them. (laughs) But we play loads of gigs around Norwich. Uh, Great improv fun, very sort of who's line, kind of short-form improv fun. And it's all very silly and usually quite sweary. So come on down, have a great time with us. And we look forward to this year's Nano Remo from you, which you won't ever publish. But you know, we look forward. To yeah. see, you, we look forward to seeing your online updates. I'll send people copies if they ask. <laughs> they just won't enjoy it because it's written in a hurry. Fair enough. Um, Rob Page, thank you so much. You did so well. You have been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for joining us on Apocalypse Arcade Zone. Thank you so much, Elliot. I've had a wonderful time, and I hope the rest of your post-apocalyptic friends have uh, have some good game chats. <laughs>